Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Today, we're going to be talking about Soviet Order Number 227, also known as Not a Step Back or Nishagu Nazad in Russian. Now, what this was, uh, was in the summer of 1942, the Soviets were in a rough spot. Uh, They were at war with the Axis powers after the invasion of the Soviet Union, which had started in the summer of 1941, so just a year earlier. And in the initial stages of this invasion, it was just a huge disaster for the Red Army. So we're going to take a look at that now. First, a little background. In the summer of 1939, the world was still at peace. Hitler had been making these bold moves in Europe uh, with the Ruhr, the Rhineland, uh, the Sudetenland in what's now the Czech Republic, the Anschluss with Austria, stuff like that. But the Western powers were not yet uh, at war with the Axis powers. So, you know, Britain, France, stuff like that. As it happens, on the 1st of September, German forces invaded Poland, and Hitler was not expecting uh, France and Britain to put their foot down over this issue. I think he really expected them to cave like they had all those times before, but they did not, so they declared war, uh, and that's generally accepted to be the beginning of the Second World War, in Europe at least. However, a little bit earlier in August 1939, on the 23rd of August of that year, the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact was signed between Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union, named after their foreign ministers, uh, Molotov and Ribbentrop. Now, what this was was a non-aggression pact uh, between them and a secret agreement to kind of carve up Poland. What does this mean for later events? Well, what it means is that on uh, June 22nd, 1941, Hitler broke the pact by commencing Operation Barbarossa, uh, named after Friedrich Barbarossa, this this old German king from a long time ago. But anyway, Unternehmen Barbarossa, Operation Barbarossa, was the Axis invasion of the Soviet Union. And initially... Stalin uh, did not actually believe that this was happening. He thought it was some kind of trick, Um, but the truth soon became very clear. Over the course of that summer, the Soviet Union lost huge amounts of troops in these vast encircling movements by the German Panzer armies. They would, um, you know, encircle these um, emplacements of Red Army soldiers, and they would capture tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of Red Army troops at a time. This front was huge. It was absolutely massive. Uh, there were uh, uh, Axis attacks in the Baltic states, Ukraine, Moldova, Belarus, Northwest Russia, uh, Karelia, Leningrad, Kiev, uh, down like by Sevastopol, stuff like that. Uh, so Absolutely, one of the largest land invasions in history. By 
by December of 1941, the Soviet Union was really on the ropes. Uh, in fact, Stalin was seriously considering evacuating Moscow, the capital. German soldiers, as part of Army Group Center, had made it to the outskirts of Moscow, and through their binoculars, they could see the spires of the Kremlin. So really, that's really, really, really how close they got. Um, there's an old saying in Russian military history that their two best generals are General Winter and General Mud, and that's what happened. The Soviet uh, Union, uh, the whole country fell into winter in December, and the German soldiers had not planned for winter. Hitler and the high officials of the German army had truly believed that the campaign would be over by now. So a lot of German soldiers did not have winter uniforms. A lot of their vehicles had not been winterproofed. So their offensive ground to a halt. There were several counterattacks by Soviet forces over the winter, uh, but by the spring of 1942, Axis uh, troops in the Eastern Front resumed their offensive, and by now the world situation had changed. Uh, Britain was still in the war. France had surrendered in the summer of 1940. Uh, December 7, 1941 was the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, so by the spring of 1942 the Americans were in the war, as were the Japanese. Um, the Allies were hoping that the Japanese would divert some of their forces to fight the Soviets in the Far East, but that quite that hadn't quite happened yet. In any case, what does this have to do with Order Number Two Two Seven? Well, the Axis Spring Offensive on the Eastern Front were uh, very successful, and they just could not be stopped. Like it, it just seemed that the German army was invincible, um, despite the fact that. Russia was just so vast that they were encountering supply problems, not to mention the vast areas that they conquered were often infiltrated by Soviet partisans, so Soviet uh, freedom fighters operating kind of behind enemy lines. Now, on July 28th, the order came down from Joseph Stalin himself uh, to not one step back. This was order number 227. What did this entail exactly? So I'm just going to read a quick quote from it uh, so you can kind of get the feeling of what it meant. Quote, Not a single step back. That must now be our main slogan. It is necessary we tenaciously defend every position, every yard of Soviet territory to the last drop of blood. That we cling to every patch of Soviet territory and defend it to the very last. Our motherland is going through a difficult period. We must stop the enemy, drive him out, and destroy him, whatever the cost. The Germans are not as strong as the scaremongers think. They are making a last-ditch effort. Withstanding their blow now means we will achieve victory over them within the next couple of months. Can we withstand such a blow and drive the enemy to the west afterwards? Yes, we can, because our factories in the rear areas are functioning very well now, and our fronts receive increasingly more aircraft, tanks, artillery pieces, and mortars. But what is still missing? We miss order and discipline within the companies, battalions, regiments, divisions, within the armored units, and within the squadrons of the Air Force. Herein lies our Achilles heel. Within our armed forces, we must introduce the most stringent order and iron discipline if we want to save the situation and hold on to our motherland. 
We shall no longer tolerate that commanders, commissioners, political officers, units, and formations leave their military positions without permission. We shall no longer tolerate that commanders, commissioners, political officers allow a number of scaremongers to decide the situation on the battlefield and persuade other soldiers to withdraw and in doing so open the front to our enemies. Scaremongers and cowards are to be executed on the spot. From now, iron discipline must be demanded of every commander, soldier, and political officer. Not one step backwards without being ordered by a superior. End quote. So, there's a few things uh, I did a little digging that we need to know about Order Number 227. First of all, in a lot of popular history, uh, like you see this in the movie Enemy at the Gates, there's this idea that you had uh, penal battalions, blocking battalions, executing the rank and file for retreating. Uh, the truth is, Order 227 was more about the officers and not being able to retreat without permission. It did not forbid any kind of retreat, just unauthorized retreats. And uh, in order to enforce this, you had political commissars in every Soviet Union uh, unit, and you had these penal battalions uh, where if you uh, kind of failed the motherland or were accused of crimes against the people, you would be sent to these penal battalions. And sometimes they were used as blocking battalions to execute uh, those trying to retreat. But a lot of times they were uh, used to like clear minefields or the most dangerous assaults, stuff like that. So that was part of Order 227. Uh, it also authorized people to, again, uh, execute um, you know, those that had failed in the eyes of the Soviet authorities. A lot of times they, they gave the chance for these officers to actually like kill themselves so they didn't have to do it. But uh, that's just the first few things I'd like to talk about, uh, about Order 227. I have read some speculation from various historians saying that uh, Order 227 was kind of expanded upon, seized by um, Axis propaganda during the war and then during the Cold War by Western or Allied propaganda as a way to show the Soviet Union as a crooked, corrupt system where Soviet soldiers would only fight with a gun to their back. Um, that's not quite true. Uh, in fact, patriotic fervor did increase a lot, especially after the Battle of Stalingrad. So Stalingrad was August 1942 to February 1943. So Order 227 being issued in July was just a little bit before the Battle of Stalingrad. And that was a huge turning point. Um, it was that city on the Volga where the world held its breath. Um, there are those that when they talk about the Soviet Union, they say like, well, you had to pass Order 227 because morale was just so desperately low in the summer of 42. Um, Stalin, like everything was crumbling around him. And you could, you know, historians, professors, amateur historians, armchair generals, whatever, have speculated that, you know, it's possible Stalin was doing this because he genuinely wanted to save his people and defeat the Germans and do what was right for the motherland or, or stuff like that. Others have speculated that, well, no, he was a dictator and he realized that if he lost the war and his government collapsed, who knows what would happen to him? Uh, maybe he would be captured and killed by his own people 
or sold out to the Axis powers where he would be tortured and killed. Who knows? So that's just a little bit of uh, speculation for you. Some interesting stuff to think about. All right, so how many people did this really affect? I have seen in two or three different places the number of 13,500 as the total number of Red Army soldiers that were executed uh, by commissars or blocking detachments over the course of the war. Uh, now, when you think that, you know, the Soviet Union was in the war for uh, 1941, 42, 43, 44, 45, and at their peak strength, they were, you know, the Red Army was over 4 million men, 13,500, which is less than a division, doesn't seem like that much. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. The only kind of disclaimer, the caveat I will give about that number is that I really think it was in the best interest of Soviet authorities to maybe underreport how many people were fleeing the battlefield and how many people they had to execute. Um, so, and in general, a lot of Soviet records are kind of unreliable, like the Soviet government would often redact or change records to suit the political realities of the present. So, you know, kind of take that number with a grain of salt, 13,500. Uh, in terms of penal battalions, so this is where, yeah, people who failed the motherland in some way would be sent. Uh, they reached their peak in 1943, uh, when the estimate was about 178,000 were sent in the penal battalions, and then it, it declined a little bit. Um, in terms of what was the fate of these blocking detachments, so when Order 227 was signed, a lot of the best weapons, like the machine guns, the ammunition, stuff like that, which uh, in the first two years of the war for the Red Army, they had really some, some critical supply shortages were sent to the blocking detachments. Uh, not to mention you had to allocate a lot of men. So a lot of frontline, you know, Red Army commanders uh, were saying like, well, we're wasting men in these blocking detachments. So by the winter of 42, 43, uh, in many uh, kind of fronts and armies, um, commanders just kind of stopped using them and tried to find other ways to keep the men at their posts. Uh, in October of 1944, uh, blocking detachments were disbanded or repealed or canceled or whatever uh, by an order of Stalin. It was order number 349. And he, he was saying that uh, the situation at the front has changed. So, so we don't really need uh, blocking detachments anymore. I mean, of course, like by October of 1944, the Allies were in France. Um, and the Soviet Union had completely pushed back the Germans. Like by this point, they were they were pushing into Eastern Europe and Germany and stuff like that. So that's kind of what happened to penal battalions and Order 227. Did it have a huge effect on the war as a whole? Uh, probably, um, but you can't ignore the fact that in many ways it was actually harmful to morale and a lot of commanders didn't quite use it as it was intended. Um, but nonetheless, I think Order 227 is one of those critical documents of World War II because it comes out of a time, it kind of symbolizes the really low point of the Red Army, which was the summer and fall of 1942 when really 
they thought they were going to lose. And, you know, what did this mean to the world? What did this mean to the allies? What would it mean for the Soviet people if their government collapsed and they lost the war and now you had a Nazi regime who had made no secret about their objective in the East, and that was the extermination of the Slavic peoples and the expansion of Lebensraum or living space for the Germanic peoples. Like, this was not the same war that had happened in the Netherlands or Belgium or France, Norway, anything like that. Like this for the Nazi regime. Now, not all Germans, like I'm using the word Nazi here, is like the official policy of their government was, yeah, this this war of extermination, what would have happened? And kind of the effect that this would have rippling outwards into the world. Uh, if the Soviet Union fell and was not able to hold the vast majority of Axis forces in place, what would this mean for the British Empire? What would this mean for the United States? stuff like that so really order 227 is just a symbol of what lengths the soviet union w would go to to win the war um, for for good or or for ill you know like it's uh on the one hand uh a lot of people in the soviet government truly wanted to save the soviet people uh but i'm sure a lot of soviet uh officials just wanted to cover themselves because of just what would happen uh, if they were captured by the Germans. The Germans even had elite troops, like action groups, uh, and their job was to hunt down partisans, but also political officers and communists. The kind of intellectual class, the morale uh, backbone, the kind of doctrinal backbone of the Soviet government, but also of the Red Army itself. So. In any case, I hope this has been interesting for you. Uh, Order 227, definitely a big part of World War II. You can see it in a lot of war movies, especially the film uh, Enemy at the Gates. Although the way that it's portrayed in that movie is not entirely accurate. Uh, but if you want to investigate that, I encourage you to. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Um, I want to thank you so, so much for listening. This has been Bite Sized History the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to bitesizedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and uh, tell your friends. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.